saw this piece in the National Post the other day and thought, here's a person we need to talk to. The Dutch public-private health care model is the fix Canada needs. Canada should look abroad for solutions, specifically to the Netherlands. So we made arrangements to have the person who wrote this article join us this morning. And between that and now, uh, we've had a major decision here in B.C. by the Court of Appeal, which yesterday upheld a lower court's dismissal of a challenge to the B.C. Medicare Protection Act by Dr. Brian Day in the Canby Clinic, saying bans on extra billing and private insurance do not violate the charter. Now, they did find the lower court judge erred in his analysis of the right to life, and they said the act's provisions, well, do deprive some patients not only to their right of security of the person, but the right to life. So it's a tough case. But our guest who wrote the piece about the Dutch private public health care model is a health lawyer. It's a real pleasure to welcome her to the program this morning from Toronto, uh, joining us on the line from Toronto is our guest Tracy Tremaine Lloyd with TTL Health Law, a longtime health law specialist. Tracy, good morning. Welcome to our show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good of you to join us, Tracy, and I'd like very much to cut to the Dutch public-private story that you wrote and caught our attention so quickly with the other day in the National Post. But first, we do need a a lawyer's take on this important decision here in British Columbia yesterday because it will have implications right across Canada. Well, it's it's a very interesting decision, and it's it's a... It will go to the Supreme Court of Canada, there's no question about that, but whether they'll intervene and overturn it, goodness only knows. But the problem with it is, if we ever had uh, any idea that maybe we could get from the courts what we aren't getting from our provincial governments, uh, this one really puts the lid on it. Because even in those situations where they felt that uh, it did violate uh, the right to life and security under the Charter, even even with that, they said, even though it does, it's reasonably justifiable under Section 1, which is the clause that says you can breach people's rights if you can justify it in a free and democratic society. Mm. So now the question is, do we think that that's justified under Section 1? Clearly, the Court of Appeal did. The, well, there was one dissent, a female judge dissented, and I think her dissent is going to be repeated by the legal legal profession more than the majority, but we all have to wait until the final word comes from the Supreme Court of Canada, but it was very disappointing. Yeah, well, Tracy, it it struck me as though the the court had decided uh, in the the course of of, of narrowing in on the the specifics of this legal decision, they decided basically a few dead people along the way is collateral damage and part of the package when you have a universal system, so that's okay. And I'm, I'm, well, I'm oversimplifying it, but that's what it sounds like to people who don't understand legalese. Well, it's it's not if you don't understand it. It's it, to ordinary man in the street. That's basically what they're saying. That yes, okay, if we know that some people die on wait lists and we know that people are in agony for sometimes years waiting to get their treatments. But, you know, so what? We have to justify a universal system. Right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense in any society, never mind a democratic society. It really doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't you know, I didn't hear the legal arguments and I didn't see their factums, but it, it just strains credulity to make such comments. So we'll have to wait and see. I think the Supreme Court of Canada 
and might might intervene. Right. Now, the Supreme Court has to decide to accept the case because Dr. Day and his team have already indicated they would like to advance this for a final decision from the Supreme Court. It's not an automatic, is it, Tracy? They, no, no, the Supreme no, Court can leave. decide not yeah. to hear it, can't they? Yes, they can. Yeah. You, need, you need leave to go to the Supreme Court of Canada from a court of appeal of any province. And they, they do look to see, is it of national interest that, or is somebody's liberty at stake? Right. But I can't imagine that they'll refuse to hear this case. Right. It, it has such widespread ramifications across the country and to all citizens of the country. So I, I think they will have the last say. I think they'll accept it. All right. Now, Tracy, let's, let's fast forward, if you will, to the piece that you wrote for all of Canada to see a few days ago about the Dutch model uh, of the way that the, the Netherlands handles their public-private uh, uh, health issues. Talk to us about what is so best practices admirable about the Dutch model and how that might play uh, into the court case we had decided yesterday. Well, we need something like this, the Dutch model now more than ever, because clearly until the Supreme Court can, and if the Supreme Court can, were to overrule that Court of Appeal case, we can't go anywhere else. We're done in terms of trying to improve things or get uh, timely. Remember, the Canada Health Act says that we, in our system we're supposed to have timely accessible care. Right. Uh, well, there's nothing timely or accessible currently going on in this country. So um, the Dutch model is a hybrid. And what I mean by that is they're not expecting the government to pay all the time for everything. They allow them, they allow the, the community or the citizens to buy private health insurance from private health insurers, which we don't. They're all outlawed in our country. Mm-hmm. You can only take the government's insurance. But they do fully ensure everybody under 18, every individual under 18, is insured by the government. They right. don't have to have any private insurance. And uh, people who can't afford uh, the, the, over, um, the private insurers, uh, they are subsidized in one way or another by the regulations. So you can regulate everything you want. They regulate us now uh, to death So in, in, in the health field. So they've, they've allowed private insurers to sell to citizens who want it insurance with them. And we have to pay for it. We have to pay premiums if we buy insurance for anything. Right. So we'd have to pay premiums like we do for our cars or for our homes. Um, and we used to long ago, I think they did have in Canada, a, a participant like a health tax from premiums to other insurers. But um, that's what the Dutch do. And if you don't buy the insurance, if you somehow object to having private insurance it can be taken from your paycheck for any working uh, that uh, person you they just take it out of your paycheck interesting tracy one of the big knocks against any private insurance scheme anywhere is the fact that the insurance companies can at any moment drop you for any number of what seems to be a whimsical excuse so when in, in the medical field you don't need whimsy so what about those insurers having the ability to say well you're too sick we don't want to cover you anymore Okay, well, remember, I just talked about regulations. The government just regulates the act that will allow them back in in such a way, and this is true in in the Netherlands, they're not allowed to refuse people Uh on previous conditions, and they're not allowed to say, we won't ensure any... Once a a diagnosis of a medically necessary um, uh, requirement comes in, if it's medically necessary, they are legally bound 
by regulation to provide that care. So it won't be whimsical, and it isn't whimsical in the Netherlands. They're tightly regulated by the government, Mm -hmm. and and they have to cover everybody who comes along. So then uh, the matter of of whether whether you get your your required medical work done at a public or a private facility is practically irrelevant because no matter where you go, uh, you're covered by your insurance. Correct. And that's the key in some ways, right? Because one of our big problems is there are not enough resources for the public hospitals to do everything. So the, the, the um, ORs are being shut down at 3 and 3.30 in the afternoons. The surgeons may want to work till 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, but they can't because they can't get the resources. There's no nurses, there's no OR. Right. It's all shut down in, in the early afternoon. So if, if people had private insurance, you would see more more um, of the medical professionals prepared to open their own freestanding, like the day. The Camby Clinic is an amazing facility mm-hmm. in British Columbia. It, you, but it costs a lot of money to open, essentially. It's like a private hospital, sure. course, except they don't keep people overnight. But that, those, those places, they'd have to invest, you know, a few million dollars to open one. Well, they're not going to do that if they can't use it. And in our system... You essentially can't use it. Right. Tracy, final question to you, and it's just delightful to have you with us this morning. We do appreciate your taking a little bit of time out of your weekend to do this. Uh, as, as you look at across the country, and you quoted Dr. Catherine Smart in your article in the National Post about her observations, and we had 13 premiers and territorial leaders here in Victoria just a few days ago, all to a person declaring how broken the Canadian system is. The feds didn't even show up. They they, the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs was on the phone for crying out loud. It's his only job. He couldn't make it to Victoria. So what sort of real appetite do you sense for any kind of real change in the Canadian approach to health care? Well, there is no appetite at the moment, but let's be clear that people do understand the system. So the, the, the health is a provincial jurisdiction. So every province uh, has a right to make the law that governs health healthcare, the delivery of healthcare, it doesn't come from the federal government. What comes from the federal government are something we call transfer papers. So that means that uh, the, the provinces make the laws, but and they pay for most of it, but the feds help them by giving them money into their budgets every year. And that's why the fed is so important to them, because they rely on that money to top up their health budgets. They're called transfer payments. But eventually, I think the provinces are going to have to say, you know what, Either the, whatever we're getting from you on the transfer payments, you're ruining our system. We can't live like this. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So there'll have to be an appetite among the, among the provinces to start funding themselves. And maybe the hybrid system is the way to go because mm-hmm. then they won't, they won't lie so heavily on the transfer payments from the federal government. Well, there's certainly the millions of Canadians, 37 million of us have discovered that our much touted or highly touted healthcare system over the last two years of taking a major between the eyes hit is pretty darn fragile and in pretty rough shape. So uh, there is an appetite amongst the public, no question about the taxpayers of the country. And of course, the patients of Canada are very, very uh, aware of the need for change. And one of the options that you should take a look at, friends, is Tracy's suggestion, the Dutch 
public-private health care model is the fix Canada needs. Google it. It was in the National Post just a couple of days ago. Tracy Tremaine Lloyd in Toronto, thanks so much for this. It's great to speak to you. We do appreciate your opinion on the decision yesterday, and we'll talk again about other alternative options. Okay, nice to talk to you too. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.